Welcome to the Happy You're Here podcast. In this show, we talk about tools, techniques, and ideas to help us live more fulfilling lives. In this episode, we have Morita van Zumeren from, where are you from again? Netherlands. The Netherlands, yes. She was a practicing doctor. What kind of doctor were you? Uh, I was a general doctor, but the last uh, work was with people who lost the memory. Okay, interesting. Yes. And yes. you've you've since transitioned to being uh, a life coach and, and doing different types of coaching and helping people with depression and also eating disorders. But one of the things we're going to talk about heavily today is depression and all kinds of different things that relate to that. Something that I'm starting with the show now is to start with a concrete tool or technique that you found in your life to be helpful to live a more fulfilling life that you could share with the audience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, um, one of the, of the most important things was to, to start a connecting with my body. Mm. So I was, as most of the people in the West, uh, trained a lot to, to always uh, work with the head from the space of the head and the thinking. And actually, my habit is also to approach things from, from understanding and thinking. Mm -hmm. But um, I had lost uh, the, uh, the connection with my, my body from very early time already in my life. And uh, I, I even didn't want to be dependent on my body. I wanted to be just a spirit or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, then I found out actually through therapy. I found out that therapies where I, I would talk a lot finally didn't help me at all because I talked already so much in my head. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> But as soon as I I came to the body, it, it, it first I didn't experience anything in my body. It was just like numb, or I didn't know how to notice feelings or sensations in my body. But when I did, the those feelings in the body they were connected with emotions. So then I started noticing emotions, and. Then later on, I noticed that in the depression, the emotions are suppressed, like anger, sadness. But in the depression, I didn't feel that. I, I did. I, it just felt like there is no emotion at all. Just everything is gray and flat and dull. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of people that thankfully have not experienced depression conceptualize it as just being sad you know at least for me and, and most people that I talk to that's not the experience it's kind of this dullness right like this absence of emotion mm -hmm. uh, and it's not even a sadness it's an absence of, of even that yes which it, you said something interesting there is that you're you're in some way and that's my personal experience too is that you're suppressing that those emotions for some reason or another, and that's potentially um, causing or exacerbating that depression. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, I can. So actually, uh, when I'm writing now my book about eating disorders, I actually 
the background of eating disorders, I think also other addictions and depression is, is more or less the same, is my feeling. And then I notice now, I have more insight that when I grew up, only the positive emotions were allowed, basically. Mm. So my feeling is that my parents, uh, who are not alive anymore, but they they also had a difficulty in expressing emotions and to... They, they wanted a happy child. Of course, I think every parent wants a happy child. But now I see how important it is that the child can also be angry or sad and that those emotions are also received. And if not, the child starts being uh, afraid to express those emotions because it feels that then it might lose the parents as they, it might be expelled or something. So then it learns yeah. how to to not show the feelings anymore. And finally, it doesn't experience the feelings also anymore. That's easier in a way. Yeah, that's, um, that's interesting to think about. I mean, and that is generally a lot of things evolve from our childhood, right? Like how, how we seek and uh, receive affection and attention from our parents is something that is wired into humans to, you know, it's a survival thing. It's like, how do I, how do I get these people that are around me that are feeding me to pay more attention to me so they continue to feed me and don't leave me abandoned on the side of the trail somewhere, you know? Yes. Um, but it's interesting that sometimes that, that, that survival mechanism can backfire and leave us with, with these coping mechanisms more or less that are not helpful um, and make life a little uh, harder to deal with later on in life. Yes, that's true. And you know, I had many depressions in my life. I think it it is more often people have a depression as that we often hear. So, like in the in the in the West, the the numbers is that one third of all people experience at least one depression in their life. But uh, I, I, I did so many therapies and groups, trainings to come out of them. And sometimes I felt, okay, I am out of it when I found something nice in my life to do. But then it was dependent on that thing to do, you know. Yeah. And then later on, the depression came back. And I can share what finally brought me out of the depressions. Now I know they will never come back. And that is, uh, it's family constellations. And it's uh, um, something which a German man, Bert Hellinger, has found uh, uh, out that we carry things from our family. So the depression is is not only an individual thing, but is um, actually where the emptiness of the depression comes from is that as a child, we try to take care of our parents, one or both, emotionally or physically. So the child, as a child, most people who are depressed, including me, I felt, for example, that my mother carried a lot of pain. She, she was in the Japanese concentration camp 
in Indonesia when, when she was uh, between 11 and 14 years old. And it was uh, so traumatizing that she almost never spoke about it, but it was tang tangible. And I yeah. tried to take away this pain from her. And of course, a child cannot do that. And then you are in the wrong position. Actually, you behave like you are the parent of your parent. And then you cannot receive anymore as a child. And what Bert Hellinger found out is that a life can only flow if the parent only gives and the child only receives, because then the child is nourished. And in the depression, someone who is depressed mostly could not nourish himself or herself by receiving from the parent. That's very interesting. That's um, seems to experientially hold true. I think in my own experience, like that's, and I, I wonder if that's, you know, you carry, and you, and you might have something to elaborate on this, but you carry a lot of generational trauma uh, through a lot of families. Like I know it, it's kind of crazy in my own family how some of the same exact kind of trauma responses and experiences have played out generation after generation, generation especially on the one side, I, you know, see my parents and they don't seem to have dealt with that in a healthy way sometimes. And, you know, it's, I feel like I've finally transcended beyond some of that because I've become aware of it and because I've worked with it instead of just trying to bury it or finding some way to cope with it. It's like looking at like, okay, and not, I think it's easy to get trapped in this like sense of like, well, my parents did this to me. You know, like I'm depressed yes. because my parents didn't care enough for me or I had to take care of my parents. So I should blame my parents for that. Yes. And that's kind of not a helpful response. Yeah, I totally agree with you because uh, this is also not the aim of the, 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 the way the family constellation works. It is uh, taking the parents exactly as they are. Yeah. And then you receive only the good things from them and what it belongs to them stays with them. If you can really take them as they are, because uh, as you say, they are also influenced by what happened in their family. But as you say, it goes from generation to generation. And also we see in the family constellations, you can make things visible because a group of people comes together and somebody starts representing you and somebody starts representing your parents. So energetically, you start seeing what is happening. It's very mm. beautiful way of working. And then you also can see that many times somebody who is depressed uh, is depressed because he follows an other family member. He wants to make an other family member visible who has not been seen in his depression. And then the younger generation copies exactly the same symptoms in order to make that family member visible. So it's out of love of yeah. somebody else. So it can be that a depression can be out of love for your grandfather or grand-grandfather sometimes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's like an entirely uh, new concept to me. So that's uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And... Um, I, I, I hope that's helpful for some people too. I think that there's probably a total well of information and, and knowledge there within the family 
family constellations is what it was what that yes. that concept or that practice is is called mm-hmm. yes um i will make sure to link some information about that either through you or just that i can find online um yes. we'll talk about it later in the in the show notes below um so your your book that you wrote a couple of years ago is called uh depression a stepping stone to bliss yes and i'm i'm interested in how that looks um and kind of what are the concepts behind that that's a fascinating title i think um mm. you might you mean the title how i came to the title or sure like how does that relate to the content of the book and and kind yeah. of what is the that book about yeah so i i i wrote this book actually out of gratitude because i was so happy to come out of the depressions and i wanted to reach other people who are depressed and then um, looking back i could see that the depression uh, brought me towards bliss and bliss mean doesn't mean for me like uh, being ecstatic all the time but it means to be connected to be connected totally with myself and with everything around me and then also sadness or or uh, rage or anger can feel blissful if you are connecting with it so then sadness can also be a very beautiful feeling because it goes very deep so in my book i i there is first a whole autobiographic part about my life and my depressions uh, because then people can recognize themselves in some things like uh, and then there are many things i come with many things which contributed to my coming out of the depression and reaching this state of connectedness so for example uh, the, the active meditations from osho as they make it possible to first release all the tensions and uh, stuff that is uh, boiling inside us and then the, the silent stages come later on because meditation connects with the the core of mm-hmm. our being and one chapter is about dropping comparison i started comparing so much with others because i couldn't find in myself what to do so yeah. i thought i can grab it from others but it even brings me further away from myself. It was very difficult to, and maybe you recognize, I don't know, to drop that habit, you know, from, I thought it's even better to, to feel very bad and gray than to compare myself to the sunshine of some friend. Because, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a, that's a, um, powerful thing to learn to to learn to move through depression into um as you say a state of bliss i feel like i'm i've moved through to a similar place after over a decade of dealing with depression and suicide and attempts and um addiction because of that and stopping like trying to go from like point zero to like i want to be like this happy guru over here or whatever and just like be blissed out all the time and like not dealing with all of the the i don't like to use the word negative unpleasant experiences unpleasant emotions that might be arising for a reason there any emotion that's arising is arising 
as a reaction to something. And it's, it's telling you something about your relationship to that thing that you're reacting to. Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful that you say that. That's very beautiful to be with what is. Yeah, and it, also that it has a reason. Because mm-hmm. in a way, I, want, I wanted to get rid of the depression, but when people wanted just to pull me out, it didn't feel good because it didn't feel that they that my they, those feelings were seen or the non-feeling was right. seen yeah and actually one time i felt very good i was so depressed and i people they kept saying you have to eat healthy food that's also a chapter of my book finally but i couldn't hear that you know that i should do this or that so i i went to the railway station and it was raining and a very dark weather. And I bought um, a, a French fries, very much oily and uh, with, uh, with mayo, the most unhealthy food which was there. And then I started sitting at the entrance of the, of the railway station on the floor where all these wet boots came along eating this fatty, uh, unhealthy food. And I felt this fits exactly with my mood. So it felt, in a way, right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a very yeah. good um, thing to bring up because I think that a lot of listeners of the show are either people that are dealing with depression themselves or people that have people in their lives that are dealing with it and don't know how to relate to them and or don't know how to help them. And I, I actually talked to a mother just uh, last week who her son is 25 or so um and you know is very anxious very dealing with a lot of depression and just kind of negativity these negative thought loops just stuck in that that place and as a mother that's very painful to see that happening yeah. and not know what to do or how to relate or how to you know you want to snap them out of it you want to just be like okay well i can give you this thing and you just got to do this thing and then you'll be better <laughs> and then i won't mm-hmm. and it's kind of a little bit it's because it's uncomfortable for us as the loved one to, to see someone else suffering. Uh, and I have this experience with people that I know, uh, it's like, you don't want to sit with it. You don't want to, you just want them to stop, stop it, to stop suffering. Uh, and there's a process that has to happen. Um, what is your experience with that? And like, how do you, I, I think you kind of alluded to that, that it's kind of, you talk about that in your in your book is that, you know, there might be these things that, yeah, if you do these things, it's going to help you feel better. But how do you, how do you how does someone start on that path? You know, how does someone go from because you kind of get attached to the depression, you kind of start to identify yeah. with it and, and to, to even want to move past it. What does that yes. transition look like for yourself and also for maybe people that you've talked to? Yeah, I recognize that for me also, it's uh, even when I was depressed myself, it's hard to be around a person who is depressed. Yeah. Because also you get caught in the vibe. I, I knew when I was depressed myself that I left a whole track behind me of negativity, that mm-hmm. everywhere where I came, I spread negativity. So that was very hard. Um and also there is a negative spiral where you which starts happening in the brain also and the more negative thoughts you have the more you 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 feed that spiral so yeah for me it was uh, important uh, to 
yeah, two things. One is to to be with it, which my first my first chapter of the book is about acceptance, accepting the depression, and I have to be honest that I couldn't do that myself. Mm-hmm. But my my spiritual master Osho, he emphasizes the acceptance because then, if you stay with the depression as it is. It can the next day it can change something can change because you stay with what is, but if you become depressed about the depression, then it's a secondary depression and it's that's almost impossible to come out because there is it's already a, a judgment about the feeling. But what helped me finally was to 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 express and. As you say, that the tendency is to to start sitting and doing nothing. But um, in the end, I I I did a, a thirteen months uh, therapy, which is called schedule therapy. It was three days per week, and then thirteen months, where we came with a group and we started looking into our patterns and how they evolved from childhood, and it was. It was actually not the not so good part was that it was a lot of talking, but I loved the the more expressive parts. There was one one part which was creative therapy, where you could make things and draw things and make it with woods and with clay, and then I could express from a different level. Then mm-hmm. things started flowing in a different way. And also psychomotor therapy, it was working with the body. For example, uh, seeing how close I would let another person come to me or uh, or um, doing some game together with a ball game, but not because of winning or losing, but to see how we work together. And then I started seeing things from an other level than uh, from the rational level. So my, my, my suggestion is to try many things and feel what clicks. Right. And right. then my biggest mistake was I, I was people, they really saw me as a group junkie. I even besides the therapy, I did some weekends and I thought, Somewhere I have to find the place where the button will turn. And once it's turned, I am definitely out of the depression. And then one day I sent one of my desperate emails to somebody like uh, I'm hopeless and I no meaning in my life and I'm totally stuck and it never will come right. And it was already the third email I sent within two weeks. And actually that person was a therapist and she had moved to Sweden and then came back one email after three times writing and she said, it looks like you don't do your homework. And that was really like a kind of wake up call. I I, 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 I thought, okay, I do all these groups, but after the group, I am just sitting there and, and waiting if it works or not. Yeah. But then I saw that if I find something which works for me, for example, not comparing with others, 
I have to do the work. The next day I have to also decide not to compare and to 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 catch myself doing it and just say to myself stop or for example i i i noticed that in in the last training i did uh, where i came out of my depression we did every day the osho dynamic meditation and it's first breathing 10 minutes chaotically with the eyes closed then releasing like shouting screaming jumping uh, uh, kicking and anything which comes up you you express then it was uh, jumping on the flat of the feet and shouting the mantra who when you come down 10 minutes so it's very much exercise and then suddenly stop 15 minutes freezing and just being with yourself this is the real meditation and then comes 15 minutes dance so it's one hour meditation and on the third day of those 21 days my whole life came back so i thought i i knew that from before when i always went to a meditation center in india osho meditation center and always dynamic gave me energy you know but yeah. now i knew i have to keep doing it at home of course, I cannot shout here in my small apartment because <laughs> my neighbors, they freaked out already one time. So <laughs> I do it without a sound with my body. But since then, like five years ago, I came out of my last depression. And now I do this dynamic meditation every day for five years already. So then I know, okay, the tools, you spoke about tools. Yeah. I have not just put the tools in my toolbox and close it, but I have to every day take out some tool to use. And then it becomes more and more easy to to use them. Then it becomes more like a circus, you know, where I, I juggle with all these tools. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. absolutely what it feels like. And it, But you have to, you know, there's there's two parts to that. You have to have the tools and learn about the tools which I think is where stuff like this is helpful because it can introduce people to ideas that maybe they haven't been introduced to before that then they can go explore further. Yeah, where It's where those retreat centers and, and retreats can be useful because it can teach you and engulf you in something that you might not otherwise have access to in your day-to-day -day life. But the really important thing, and we, we talked about this in two other episodes now, that it's important to, uh, one, of, one of the whole episodes was all about that it's important to have a daily practice of whatever or multiple daily practices but to actually and obviously not overjudge yourself if you don't meet that every single day but knowing that like things will only get better when i actually commit to something and i practice it every single day and accept that mm. you know i might not be quote unquote good at it I, I, for me it, it, it's it's vipassana like sit down insight meditation has been incredibly impactful for me for like figuring out what it is how does that emotion feel like and like where is uh, maybe the 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 false thoughts that are happening that are causing that to happen and also to not judge it and to have self-compassion. Those are like things that I've learned um, from that practice, but that only happened because I was willing to sit 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, an hour a week. I haven't even ever done any retreats, but with just by doing that practice almost daily, obviously I'm not perfect. I don't do it every single day, but like I try to, that has completely shifted the trajectory of my life. Wow. Beautiful. Wow, very, very powerful what you say. Yeah, it's very important. 
I think it's more important how you do it every day, 10 minutes, than one whole retreat. Yeah. Because then it's integrated in your daily life. Yeah, wow, very beautiful. You know, I, I also, what comes up for me is that um, um, I think it's for everybody different when this moment comes that you feel, okay, now I have to to turn or to to switch to another way. Uh, because I think many times in the depression, it's like this, that sometimes the depression has to become worse first. That you have to go deeper into it in order to come out. Like somebody once told me that uh, in a river where there are whirlpools and you come in such a whirlpool, you cannot come out of it unless you let yourself be pulled towards the bottom of the river and then you can put your feet there and go in another direction. And I think sometimes there is a longing in the depression to even go deeper down, even when the, when you say to others, I want to come out. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. That's, I think, again, experientially true for me and probably a lot of people. And it's confusing because you're like, I don't want to, I feel like I shouldn't want to be depressed. I don't mm. want to be depressed like my whole life. <laughs> um, yeah. But... For some reason, I feel almost like addicted to this. Yeah. I think it's a kind of break that you feel. One time a psychiatrist said to me, you are on the break. And it was true. You know, I, I thought my life cannot continue like it used to go. It, it Something was so unfulfilling. So it was a kind of break that I think that depression is a passage to a kind of new way of life only you don't mm. know yet how yeah. how that will be yeah and and the the what always makes me sad also as a, a doctor i i mean as a medical doctor i grew up with uh antidepressants you know as a cure for depression and the whole chapter of my book is about antidepressants because only um um, maybe eight years ago, I came across the book from the psychiatr Danish psychiatrist Peter Goetje. I will look in my paper. The book is called Deadly Psychiatry and Organized Denial. And he could find, he could come across all the investigations which had been done about the inquiries about the antidepressants and which were hidden by the pharmaceutical industry. And actually, except very severe depressions, where somebody cannot never have a good moment anymore, the antidepressants don't work. So it's it's very shocking to read all his, uh, right. what he describes. And it was at the moment that the, the, the sleeping pills were uh, didn't make money anymore so the pharmaceutical industry needed another thing to make money with and then they tried if a kind of modification of the sleeping pills the antidepressants would work and actually the investigation said they don't work but still they bribed the doctors they 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 
have hidden their investigations and so much um, uh, corruption has happened in this and actually when people have this medication a side effect of the antidepressants can be that somebody wants to commit suicide yeah. so where just a side effect and when the person wants to get rid of the antidepressants and you know, you should never stop at once because then you can die but it has to be gradually but the side effect of of uh, of making the medication less is depression when they gave uh, the antidepressants to healthy persons who had never a depression before for three weeks and they start fading out those medication they became depressed because of the fading out so what people think if they're fading out and they are depressed they think okay i need those medica- medicines again you know yeah that's a lot a lot of the studies that they they point to that the they're like this is the proof that it works is that if you start to take someone off of it then they are they experience depression and it's like that's totally backwards like yeah. and they they a lot of the 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 research that they push as like proof that like these different anti like the SSRIs work um which I'm not a doctor but I was on uh, antidepressant at one point and know a lot of people that were and like everyone that I know and everyone has been prescribed it at some point uh, and I remember looking into the the research and being like this on the on the surface like the headlines that they use seem like you're like oh yeah that makes sense it totally it, like they have proof that it works and then you start looking at the actual research and you're like that's not what this is this research is saying at all they're pulling out like selective findings out of and it's not even that the a lot yeah. of the research is not even that the research is like forged or like it's just it's spun in the media or in the in the in the way that they're presenting and advertising their medicine uh or their whatever you want to call that uh, their chemicals, and yeah, that's um, it's interesting to hear that from 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 you that has maybe a little bit more perspective on that than just like some guy that has read this stuff on the internet. Yeah, but but actually, you have discovered on internet already more than many doctors know or want to admit. You know, yeah, it's so quickly that sometimes somebody has been to the to the family doctor or to a psychiatrist and within half an hour he is outside with a prescription of antidepressants where you can almost not get rid of so and actually yep. in in one moment i was also on a very low doses for three weeks because i had so much panic and panic attacks and then the psychiatrist said maybe they 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 will take away the panic and then maybe your depression will also improve. So then I thought, okay, I will look what it does. And then I saw, I became a kind of numb. So the the panic was pressed down, but I could see a small figure next to that was still standing there with with this fear because how can a medicine take away fear you know so then i knew it it is just uh, some kind of other suppression on top of the suppression which is already there and the disadvantage is also that the antidepressants they even 
more press down the emotions which you need to yeah. come out yeah yeah yep it's and it's a lot of times the 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 doctors are just i mean it, it, it it's great you know it sounds great and it it technically makes someone less anxious because like you said it suppresses those but like of course you're going to be less anxious if you can't feel anything mm. and does anyone want to live like that that's yeah yeah and then the theory is that you don't have enough serotonin in your body but it's actually the same as that when you are stressed then the the stomach makes more acid because of the stress and that you want to cure the stress by neutralizing this acid you know it's like it's the it's making upside down what is the cause and what is the effect but i know the despair where somebody is in with the depression and if something could help even yeah. then i think never somebody likes immediately taking a pill for the depression because it also feels like a kind of defeat you know yep but uh, so it's out of despair that people take it but uh, it's much more needed that uh, doctors become more familiar with meditation and with emotional work and that's lacking you know doctors yeah. themselves are so stressed that they don't take the time to meditate <laughs> most yeah. of the time well yeah. it's interesting that a lot of the doctors that I've talked to on the show or just personally like they are some of the most stressed and depressed and like anxious people that I've ever met because they don't and I think it's interesting too that you maybe in the past suffered with like a sense of meaning and, and fulfillment uh, or at least were feeling that through the depression and you were doing like what a lot of people would consider a very fulfilling job like you're helping people live like healthier lives or, or deal with their, uh, you know, health problems and, and potentially even sometimes saving lives. And, you know, people see it's like, I need to sacrifice everything of myself to give it to that. And it's like, well, at what cost If our whole society is, is just full of a bunch of people that are technically alive, but just full of suffering. Mm. Is that a society that we want to live in? Yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah. This is also, I agree totally with you. And also I, I, when I worked as a doctor, I saw that um, well-being doesn't is not the same as the absence of disease. You know, some people they yeah. were very sick, uh, had a sick body, but they they were very healthy in a way inside. And other people yeah. they didn't have any physical sickness, and they felt very. Uh, they didn't feel any well-being. So. Yeah, it's true. It's too much technical and uh, yeah, too much oriented to technical things. Yeah. Yeah, which luckily I think that at least in the U.S., I don't know how it is. Uh, I'm, I feel like it's probably further along in that direction in Europe is that uh, there's, there's a realization of that. It's mm -hmm. like now instead of life extension, it's it's quality of life extension. So it's like, how do we not only extend someone's life, you know, by treating these diseases that are killing people or, or uh, symptoms or whatever, whatever is killing someone, you know, it's not really worth just doing that if they live 40 more years, but they're in absolute agony for those 40 years, mentally, mm. physically, and spiritually. So it's like, okay, well, now we're looking at how do we improve their overall quality of life as, as through someone's whole entire life. Um, and it's, 
we're really just on the cusp of that and and seeing a lot of kind of questions of like how do we how do we do that first of all and then also how do we allocate funds to do that and all of the social issues that come along with shifting an entire kind of mindset in on these like society level things um i'm optimistic that it it's it's move things are moving in that direction yeah. people are becoming aware of it and there's all kinds of fascinating new information coming to light mm. yeah that's that's very positive what you describe yeah that more consciousness is also coming up yes yeah yeah I think it's also very important um, relating to that the uh, for the depression to find meaning to even find meaning in the depression as you said eh, what what are exactly the things which are going on and then I think the the depression has a, a great meaning that it's 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 directing somewhere only when you are in it you cannot see it it's a dark mm-hmm. tunnel but it's it's this tunnel it it will end somewhere if you and also i think it's both important to see the meaning of the depression itself and to come out of the depression i think it's also very important to find meaning i mean it was the you cannot you cannot um, imagine that you ever can find meaning again when you are in the depression. Yeah. But uh, it is uh, the brain directs us to a very different thing than what what we really want from inside. Maybe from inside you know already what you want to do in your life. Maybe it's connected with what you wanted to do as a child. You know. But then maybe you are directed in a kind of universal university thing or uh, something which is approved by the society where your longing is something totally different. And that was one of the most important things for me to come to stay out of the depression is to to really do what I want to do. And that was not being a medical doctor for me. For an other person, it can be that he is a gardener and he, what he really wants to do is being a medical doctor. It, it can be, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really important uh, aspect. And I think that we're going to have to leave it on that. If you want to check out uh, her book, it is Depression, A Stepping Stone to Bliss. I will leave that in the show notes below along with some other information. Where is a good place? You have a, the, a website, correct? That. Yeah, my website is enjoyingmeditation.com. Is Is there any last... Yeah, the last thing I want to say is that um, I would... uh, would, uh, It's very important if you listen and you are depressed to trust in your own way that depression is a part of your way and that it's a passage to something... Yeah, but that it's very important to recognize the value of what you are going through and never give up in looking for things that click with you. Yeah. And I also want to thank you for the interview. Well, thank you so much. I think that we've gotten covered so many beautiful topics and, and helpful. Uh, and I really appreciate that. I hope that the listeners appreciate that as well. Um, and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Bye.